0: Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe.
1: Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk fitness business with fitness pros who are in the trenches, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, the owner of Rocksteady Boxing Poconos and Off Your Rocker Boxing and Fitness in Pennsylvania. Teresa Kiak, thanks for being with us.
2: Good morning. Thank you.
1: You are very welcome. Let's dive into it. Tell us what your business is all about. Business, businesses, multiple programs. I love hearing about this stuff.
2: Okay, thanks. Um, Off Your Rocker is a program that came out of actually Rocksteady Boxing Poconos, which is a program, boxing program designed for people with Parkinson's. Um, When I started that program, I had people who were coming to me interested in more than just um, people with Parkinson's and getting fit, but were hesitant about going into a gym class um, because if they haven't been in the gym for 20 years, they may be overweight, they're older, and they just weren't sure. So we started the program Off Your Rocker and it's designed for active and not so active adults. And it's similar to rock steady boxing in that it's a full non-con- non-contact boxing program um, for people who are older or who may have other challenges that they're used, experiencing in life.
1: Fantastic. We're going to get a little bit more into what all that looks like in, in mm-hmm. its day-to-day, but before we get there, give us some background about how you got into this. Um, I think you're a self-proclaimed, you know, person who had the, the dusty gym memberships to somebody who now is, is taking an active role in your own and many other people's uh, health and wellness?
2: Okay. Um, I was actually, where it all started with rock was with Rock City Boxing. I was diagnosed with Parkinson's about eight years ago and was told that boxing is one of the best things you can do for Parkinson's. Um, forced intense exercise is one of the best things. It's not a cure. It slows down symptoms. So I got involved with that. Actually, I started with an MMA gym person who had never been in a gym before in terms of never had gloves on before never even liked boxing um, I started going into the MMA classes and then found out about Rock Steady. Um, like you mentioned I was one of those folks who had a gym membership you know dusted off every so often make it sound good okay I'm gonna get in shape go for a couple weeks and died out I was not a person who was into a gym whatsoever Um, But I knew I needed to do something. So as I started taking the MMA classes, I discovered in terms of this, you know, being fun. It was fun. It was supportive. It was a great group of people. I got into it because then I went into that from that level. I went into the Rocksteady Boxing, found out more about that, Um, wanted to do it for myself, but then decided there was basically it was a selfish reason. There was nothing in this area. I was still working full time. And there was nothing in the area in the evenings that I could go to to um, help with my illness. So it was like, okay, there's nothing there, so we'll start our own. Became certified in the program, and we start Rocksteady Boxing. <clears throat> Excuse me. From there, we started um, getting requests from people who did not have Parkinson's, who wanted to take the class at the gym. You know, they would come and see the class or hear about a class and think, okay, this would be great for me. The um, same response we would get from people. I haven't been in the gym in 10 years. I have, you know, or I've been in the gym, but I struggle um, because it's just designed as a, just a regular class that they're doing, not specific to people's different needs. And that's where the Off Your Rocker came from. Basically to get people up and moving who would otherwise be sitting at home, not doing anything not using any physical fitness, not trying to improve their health. And so from there, then that it grew into people. Um, we have people in there, were just saying for that particular reason, wanting to just get into, back into the gym. We have also people who had other illnesses approach us. So we've taken in people with other illnesses as well. Um, making no, we don't make any promises to anybody. It's, it's not a cure, it's just to get people back into a healthier lifestyle. And we've also started doing some seminars and things related to it as well. Um, healthy seminars that we hold at the gym <laughs> through one of these two programs.
1: Wow. This is, uh, it's, it's amazing what you're doing. You have a lot and obviously a, a very strong personal connection to this. Um, so that's, there's no question where the drive and the dedication, the passion for this come from. So once you figure that out, you had to, in general, for, for rock steady and, you know, going into off your rocker, certain things you had to think about as far as making it into some type of, of business or program. So I wanted to go through a little bit of the logistics of that, because it sounds like you've got at least one really good partnership side of it, where you needed a space to do it, and you found a local gym owner who you could um, kind of coexist with. Have have some type of synergy in there, and mm-hmm. that's that's where you started, and you moved along with him, right? So how did you figure out? Do I get my own place? Do I rent somebody else's space? What did that decision process look like for you?
2: Okay, um, basically the decision process was pretty easy for me in terms of my own space versus somebody else, and that had to do financially. Um, It's not something that I knew, even with Rocksteady, I'd make money off of right away. And so I wanted to look for something that a program or a gym that had equipment, basically. Things so I may be needing to rent space, but I didn't have to then go and purchase equipment or anything like that in terms of bags and things. Boxing gloves and that type are different. But when you start having to fill a gym or a space with boxing bags, it gets very expensive. So... Basically, what I did is I just did a Google search for gyms in the boxing gyms in the area. Um, ended up actually finding this, running into this one person at a, at the post office and talked to him. He was familiar with Rocksteady Boxing. He owned an MMA gym and he had owned. Um, I also did, we toured the facility. He had me come and tour the facility and it was, instant partnership. He was familiar a little bit with Rocksteady, not a lot, but had some familiarity. And it was his way of, from his perspective, of also helping with the community. So he gave me a great deal. We formed a partnership. Um, he moved locations, I moved with him. It's like I told him wherever he goes, I go, you know, kind of thing. But it's just that type of relationship we were able to build. And he's the one who actually encouraged me to move on with the Rock, Off Your Rocker program. Uh, because of we the t- our timing of it, it was right during at the beginning of right smack in the middle of COVID. Actually, the beginning parts of COVID, the heavier part of COVID, and he's the one who encouraged me to still keep it going and to uh, open. We opened in January of twenty one. So, not timing wasn't great, but it was. If I didn't do it then, we went on. I may not have done it.
1: All right, so when was the move from one location to another? I'm sorry if I missed out on that. Topic. Sorry, it was
2: it was when we opened up the Rocks, the Off Your Rocker, so, which was so January gym. 21, is when he oh, opened my. the gym in the new location. All so right. he struggled as well, too, because of the of COVID, um, but even with existing programs. And then we um, moved over with him in 21.
1: Okay, and you started the whole thing in t- 2018?
2: For Rocks, for Off Your Rock, for I'm sorry, for Rock Steady, yes.
1: Okay so you had about 2 years of rock steady and then the pandemic right and the move and then it was still like perry pandemic not quite post but you moved with them and now it's like all right I'm going to I'm going to open this I'm going to do the I'm going to do off your rocker so then then there had to be you know more planning with that your the programs are pretty similar but there had to be some degree of customization from, you know, going from the rock steady to off your rocker program. So um, is that something that you come up with all the workouts on your own? Do you do all of the programming or is there corporate help for it? How does that work?
2: For rock steady, there's corporate help for in terms of they do have a site for program affiliate owners and coaches Um, rock off your rocker. It's me, myself, and me. Um, I do have, we, because of being at the different locations, we have, I do have access to people, personal trainers, boxing instructors that I will talk to and get input from, more of this advisory type of input. And I do use some of their things as well, too, to incorporate into the Off Your Rocker program. Um, Rocksteady is, is pretty... Um, it's not routine in that you have to do exactly a certain curriculum, every class or whatever that they recommend or every week, Um, but it's more of information. So I use kind of that same concept when I'm talking to other boxing fighters, um, fighters, boxers, trainers, and um, instructors for the class, because I do have access to people for coaches from other and trainers that also, I mean, they've coached for people who've gone on professional boxing, Olympic boxing. So I have some good resources that I'm able to use and everybody's been really supportive for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like the support system and network there is amazing. So some of it is taking some of the things that you like and want to use from Rocksteady. Some of it is from these other coaches and people in your network. Some of it is your own imagination. And then the execution of it, seeing, Hey, this this looks good on paper, but, you know, next time I do it. So you're constantly just evolving it as you go.
2: Right. And I have basically for Off Your Rocker have four or five basic curriculums, but they are all have leeway in terms of modifications. And basic curriculum being is that, you know, in terms of structure, warm up, um, some drills, whether it's foot agility, whether it's balance, whether, whatever it may be and then boxing, actually, primary part of the class is boxing. So it's at least 20, 25 minutes of boxing. And then we will either do cardio or we'll do strength training, um, we'll do core. You know, So we have three or four different segments for there to pick from, and then a cool down. So the curriculum itself is pretty much the same. We, what we flip out is after the boxing piece is what we're gonna do that particular week, whether it's gonna be concentrate on core, concentrate on cardio, Or whatever it may be.
1: Got it. Got it. Okay. Now, when it comes to the audience for Off Your Rocker, it started off leaning towards the senior side. um, And then, you know, I think, you know, active or less active adults, I I think was the- the Active or not so active. Yes. Active or not so active. Right. I don't want to mess that up on you. So, but you've since, you've had people inquire and come on um, who've had some other medical issues some other difficulties different age ranges so there's been some expansion of your target audience there and and also of your perspective of who you can serve with this program so can you walk us through what some of that has looked like
2: sure um when we like you said when we first started the goal was active and not so active adults I didn't want to use the word seniors because even somebody who is, 50 or 60 does not want to necessarily be classified as a senior, and we thought from a marketing standpoint that could hurt us. Um, but that was our target audience. Um, we were starting to go into some senior centers and do some presentations, but again, our timing wasn't great. And with COVID, all of those shut down in terms of either they shut down completely or they didn't have outside people coming in, like say if it was an independent living establishment. Um, so that stopped with that. So. What we did is we refocused in terms of using, looking at some of the gym membership that we had, the regular gym membership, and started offering the classes as part of their membership. Um, so that actually helped us increase some of our population. And what we were finding is we were finding people who were looking for a, um, a way to get back into shape, get or get healthy, or a combination. Um, they were hesitant because they hadn't been in a gym or they were out of, felt they were out of shape, um, whether it was cardio, strength, or people who were overweight. We had a couple individuals they're, who their goal was at the end of the six months. They had their child's wedding that they were going for, particular, or a particular goal that they had in mind. So we had some short-term people as well, and we had some people who were in their 30s, 40s, um, who, would start, who would ask if they could come and join the class because of that. And one person was, um, her brother was getting married and she already bought the dress. And because of COVID, she got a little, you know, gained a little weight and wanted, knew she needed to get back into this dress that she had already bought for the wedding. So, you know, so we had some of that. Also had some people who approached me, one person in particular who had pulmonary fibrosis, um, which is another illness. He was diagnosed for, um, and it was, it's a terminal illness um but he knew that in order to prolong his life he needed to increase his lung capacity and to keep himself moving so he joined with us too and he was a great inspiration um unfortunately with covid he had to take a break um hopefully he'll be back in in september um and it was just the seeing him as well as some of the other people who had some other illnesses I mean, if a person who has a 20% lung capacity and doing boxing classes, um, I keep my classes small because of that, so I can also, we can individualize it just a little bit. It can't be a one-on-one, but we don't go, I don't want a class that's larger than 10 people. We usually have more like around eight is our, my target number. And that again, because we can specialize it a little bit more. So I can have somebody who has something like pulmonary fibrosis with 20% lung capacity in a class, along with somebody who's just looking to lose 20 pounds in, you know, by a certain date. So I can have both of them in the class at the same time if I keep my classes smaller. So that's kind of how we looked at when I first, when we first originated it how we've changed is basically because of trying to provide an opportunity for as many people as i can who really want to be there and who have specific goals that they want to achieve
1: wow so really you started off on one trajectory and then people started finding you you started having these conversations and it's like i came i'm here to help people and now you realize you know nothing but pleasant surprises really as far as like hey I can reach even more than I initially thought with this.
2: Exactly, and it's in terms of having to adapt, and it pretty much is was an outcome of COVID, to be honest with you, in terms of knowing that our market was going to be smaller because of people wanting to go into a gym facility, first of all, to be around other people, and what can we do to keep our business going um, during COVID that would just even allow us just to keep the lights on, so to speak. And that was looking at different options. And when these people came, it's just like, it just was the right thing for me to do from a perspective of wanting to educate people, wanting to help people and getting them, helping them get back into shape. As a person who was not in a gym, was not a gym person, I know what it takes sometimes from my personal experience just to get up and get in the car and go to a gym and spend an hour or two hours at a gym was just, for a lot of people, it's a big deal. And I guess I get that from my own experience.
1: Yeah, for sure. So you're you're a one-woman show. You're handling everything, soup to nuts, on this thing. And we're in this kind of mostly post-pandemic world. So right now, um, all in between the rock steady and the off your rocker. How many clients are you servicing on a, on a regular basis um, that you see, you know, at least a couple of times a month, say?
2: I would say right now at this point, um, probably about 12 between both, you know, up and down, some less, some more, some classes. I have two people, some classes I'll have six or seven or eight. Um, so it just depends upon the class and the day. Um, summer seasons is summer's a little slower, um, but Boy. you know, it obviously just depends. But in total, it's approximately how many I have.
1: Got it. And so for you, while it's just you, and we'll talk about maybe goals and potential and plans mm-hmm. for the future in a minute, but like, while it's just you, how many people would you say your capacity would be, you know, in an ideal world that, that you could handle before you needed help?
2: Now? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, right now. Is oh, right I now, you're, you're <laughs> at it?
1: Okay. So.
2: No. Well, because it's, it's not the classes as much as it's the business side of things. It's the marketing, it's increasing the membership, it's the, um, you know, the, the bookkeeping side of it is not that much, but because of the number of people, but it's more of the uh, making sure my curriculums are updated and they don't get stale. Um, it's, it's those things outside of the class that are really the time consuming piece
1: got it got it so it's yeah if all you had to do is go in and teach the classes you it'd, know, be it'd be wonderful
2: it'd be ideal it'd be great
1: <laughs> but unfortunately the the magic fairy of administrative work doesn't come you know put put right. uh, spreadsheets under your pillow at night
2: exactly exactly
1: got it got it so you're you're kind of at that tipping point now there's there's some things things going on there so before we get into that you know that last piece um I I mainly wanted to see with a, a, such a unique program like this, and I know that you're, you know, you're going to be looking at marketing and things like that, but have you grown with the clients that you've had? And I know some of them haven't come back pandemic. Has this mostly been word of mouth? Have there been medical referrals? Has, have there been, you know, programs that you've, or people that have, you know, gone into one of the facilities that you've been in and they get sent your way? Like how have you acquired most of the clients so far?
2: I would say most of them have been what, by word of mouth or internet searches. Um, Rocksteady is a little bit different because it's an international organization and the names out there. But even with that name being out there for the last 15 years, it's only been the last two years I've been getting referrals from neurologists. Um, I've been working actually with some of the vendors and things who handle, um, who are more focused on the Parkinson's area and we've been help, they've been helping in terms of getting the word out for people and getting me connected with some of the neurologists. From that though, it also has helped with the Off Your Rocker from people with um, other issues or other medical issues. Um, but the piece is, is that most of the people have been word of mouth or people who are members of the gym who have come in during the gym to, you know, and use the gym facilities. And I've seen the classes going on and ask about what's going on with the class. Um, and that's where I've gotten a couple of people as well. Also, too, it's not unlike me to go approach people in the gym. And especially if they fit my criteria, I mean, I, I won't exclude people, but the general criteria, the market that I'm looking for, if they fit. I actually had three women join the classes not too long, a couple months ago who they were at the gym, the time I was having one of the classes and they were there three days a week. I'm like, said to him, I said, have you ever considered taking a class? And I think sometimes too, it's getting the information out there and getting people to see it because um, they see boxing and they're not quite sure about it. But, and nothing female against female boxers versus male boxers, but the stereotype is generalization is a boxing class taught by a woman is that really going to be intense enough? Because you, they see a boxing class, most people see a, a, a man. And so I think for some of these, from like these three women told me, that's one of the things that kept them away. They saw the name of the class and they saw the description, but they thought, it, well, it's not going to, it's going to be too intense for us because some guy's going to be teaching it. They didn't feel as comfortable. But when I started talking to them and they said, and they, I said, just try it. It's part of your, we will have it as part of your membership. We'll work program and they took it oh this is it says so just fun and they also said oh this is really they were huffing and puffing at the end and saying this is more intense than we thought we just thought we would just come in here hit a bag a little bit and we'll be done
1: got so. it awesome so it's it is that that fine line of the marketing the messaging the the wrapper of it but once people get in and try it the, you know, you're seeing like, Hey, people that I might not have thought, or may, they may have not thought they're a good fit come in and they enjoy it for all different benefits.
2: Right. It's getting people to understand what the program really is and to actually see it and experience it. And I have had very few people who have, unless they had a specific goal in mind and did a member gym membership for that specific period of time to reach that goal. And once they've reached that goal, they've not come back. I've had other than that, I've had very few people who haven't come back unless it's been a health-related issue.
1: Understandable there. So where do we where do you want this to go ideally? You know, if you could wave a magic wand or, you know, look five, 10 years into the future with this, is there a, a point where you'd say, you know, this this is the ideal? This is what I want to see this grow into, or or is there any, you know, cap or ceiling on it
2: i'm a person who tries never to say never so there's really no cap at this point um, but really what i would like to do is to try to reach keep it from myself from a logistic standpoint in terms of keep it in within the certain geographic region um, but it's also open to looking at it further um, i was actually talking to a friend of mine in a different state in terms of who moved there to be able to start a program there they're very similar um, to, with off your rocker. My goal though it would be to again keep the class size as minimal as I can as close to, to eight to ten people as I can from a financial standpoint making it feasible so that would be increasing the classes the number of classes that I can have but also needing to increase the number of people that I can have as members because um, I'm not going to have people come to three classes a day. You know, I have to count on in order to have that, I have to increase the membership. So I really don't have any max on it. Short term, I'd say in three to five years, what I'd like to do is expand it. where Currently, just where I am in, in three years is a short term and just increase my class sizes. Um, the no, I'm sorry, not class size, the number of classes with being keeping my max at 10 people a class. Um, Again, it's for the reason being is not, it may not be the most economical or financially sound, um, but this piece is I'm not really in it to make a whole lot of money. If I do, that'd be great. It'd be a plus it's for me. It's just to help people and to educate people. It's more of what it is, same as it is with Rocksteady.
1: Got it. Got it. Yeah. And I think that's one of those things that we see a lot is even if money isn't the primary driver, um, the more the business makes, generally speaking, it means you've helped more people and then you can turn around and help more people. So even if it's not about what goes in your bank account, it does give you the, it gives you the, the leverage and the fuel to help as many people as you can.
2: Right. Exactly. And the very short term is I'd like to stop using my own money. Yeah, that would be the very short-term goal. But then again, most of it is would be, a lot of it would be reinvested into the program or other programs to be able to expand them to hit to be able to use get to more people. Got it, got it. Um, because not just for Parkinson's, but for anything, just general health. It's so important, especially as we age. Um, I'm hitting 60 this year, and it's so important in terms of getting people out there and the, is your increase with your... Um, Issues, medical issues that you, health issues that you may experience that are age-related. You know, just to kind of keep yourself in shape and keep yourself going. Um, also, too, as I mentioned, too, when we had a discussion before, I lost my husband with um, in t- December of twenty, and a lot of those things. You know, he was in terms of had some health issues that he was working on. If he had maybe started with those earlier you know, you can't say anything's going to change or it's def- definitive that it would have an impact, but anything you can do to help your health is going to help you in terms of your quality of your life that you have.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of things out there and it's more and more so in today's modern world that are that are out to get us and are, are stacked against us. So anything we can do to try to hedge against that, is, right. even if we don't, you know... It, you'll never know the what ifs and could have, should have, but you know that it's probably a good place to put some energy. One thing that popped up while you were, you were talking about, you know, somebody in a different town. And I thought, I know you've got your hands full right now, but do you think that it's something where as you get this, um, you know, going and you get some momentum that you would ever, even if it wasn't for profit, something where you would reach out to other people who had rock steady and talk to them about how you integrated it and at least try to share your experience with them if they wanted to do a similar program. Is that something you think you'd, you'd see yourself doing?
2: I definitely could. Um, and not just even the study in terms of integrating it to look at a different market, um, but anybody with some similar program that focused on more of a senior health, um, adult health, um, and how they can maybe expand and have something a little bit different and unique. Um, because to be honest with you, not just for the rock steady, but for the, off your rocker, you talk to somebody who's 65, 70 years old. Anybody, most of the people that have taken my class have been, this is the first time they've ever put a pair of boxing gloves on, and they've never thought of themselves at 70 years old doing a boxing program and just something unique, and it's a full-body workout, so not just, like you said, the Rock Steady piece, but people who, that they do have senior fitness programs, um, the Silver Sneakers programs, things like that, to incorporate something different into it that people may never have thought of doing that um, really is very beneficial for them in overall health.
1: I love it. I love it. I think you're doing great work. It's amazing what you're, what you're doing on both fronts, and I think as we move hopefully a little further away from the pandemic and you know there's there are more things in your favor it's it's going to start to grow its momentum and I'm sure you're going to push it along with with every ounce of what you can put into it so that's about all the time that we have here Teresa the last thing I'm going to ask you um, if people want to look up find out more see what you're doing there where are the best places for them to find out more information
2: the best places are our website. Actually, Facebook is also very good with it. We do have, I do have a Facebook page for Off Your Rocker as well as Rock Steady Boxing, um, as well as a website. And to be honest with you, I do my best to try to keep things updated. Um, but that's where that financial piece comes into play, you know, in terms of having somebody who can help maintain things in the social media. Um, but those are the best places for her. Or they can also email or call.
1: Fantastic. So Google it. You're not going to find too many off your rocker or boxing. If you can't find it on Facebook or, um, you know, type it in there, find Teresa, reach out. Um, if anything, just, just um, you know, if you have any any feedback or you just want to see somebody doing great work in the community. Teresa, we are officially out of time here. I really appreciate you being with us this morning and I wish you continued success with both programs.
2: Thank you very much.
1: You're very welcome. And to our listeners, as always, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day or night, whenever you're listening to this, to listen. Uh, We wouldn't be here without you. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. If you want to hear more, hit the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. To everyone out there in Jim Ward's nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives. Jim Ward's out.
0: Thank you for listening to this interview, but Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview.
3: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Brooke. Joining me on the show is Ian from Fighters Republic out of Windsor, United Kingdom. Welcome to the show. Ian, how are you today?
4: I'm good, thanks. Thanks.
3: I'm excited to have you here and to talk about what you do at your fitness facility. But really, before we dive into any of that, I would love to know, you know, what was it that got you started in the industry of becoming a, you know, fitness business owner?
4: Um, well, uh, I had, um, I've always been into uh, martial arts, started uh, training uh, when I was eight years old. Um, so that's 30 years ago now. Um uh, boxing-wise, so we were at Fighters Republic is a boxing gym. Um, I had 41 amateur fights and 34 professional fights, um, and I was coaching, even when I was boxing as a professional, I was coaching, um, mainly coaching kids, and, uh, yeah, I always wanted to, when I finished competing, uh, to spend all my time doing this, because this is, this is really all I want to do. I've done other jobs in the past just to make money and, you know, feed the kids and stuff. But, um, this is like, it. so, so I've always wanted to, this is all I've done really for, for quite some time now. Yeah.
3: Cool. So, you know, you really like wanted to be a, you know, you're passionate about health and fitness and you want to make a career out of it, be able to feed your family through health and fitness. And why not become a gym owner or a fitness business owner? Yeah. And so tell us about fighters Republic so that you know kind of give us your elevator pitch tell us what services you have to provide who you are kind of paint that picture for our listener all fitness businesses are a little bit different so i would love for them to kind of understand what you do
4: we um we hold uh boxing and fitness classes and personal training for anyone from four years old upwards um and, uh, yeah, I, I suppose one of the, the – well, the unique thing that we do that, that I haven't seen in any other um, boxing uh, boxing gyms or even martial arts gyms is in general is that we, we have classes where there's people of all different abilities um, and people that don't even want to compete. They don't even want to learn – some of them don't even want to do it for self-defense just for fitness, and they all do the same thing. They all learn the martial art of boxing – they're all working together, learning skills and getting fit as a side effect of that as opposed to running, you know... We do do conditioning classes, but they're kind of to support the boxing classes. Um, yeah, but we, we we actually have everyone uh, learning to box, even the people who just want to get fit. So we don't, you know... So, so it's not... There's no egos in the gym. No one's in there um, smashing each other up. It's really... It's really productive, really good environment.
3: Yeah, definitely. So, you know, you are a boxing facility. And for some people that can, that idea can be kind of intimidating, right? Like I know for me, I would be kind of intimidated to take a boxing class because I know nothing about boxing, but it sounds like at your facility, People are really excited to come on and learn a new skill to get healthy. Um, you know, boxing is a really good thing to do if you have fitness goals. Maybe you want to lose a little bit of weight. You want to tone up. I Feel like that's the perfect thing to do. Um, yeah. So, you know, since you do have some of kind of both clients, um, what would, would what would you say the split is? Like, are you mostly Gen Pop or are you mostly competitive?
4: Uh, it's certainly not mostly competitive um, and in, in any boxing gym it's never the majority that end up competing because it tends to be I think it'd be the same in America as well that the standard that you need to reach to, to even have your first competitive uh, fight is very high it's because the, the dangers associated with even aesthetic damage being punched really hard in the, in the head is not good so um, yeah like we, we have um, I'd say maybe 5% of our members actually want to compete and it may be an even smaller percentage that actually do end up getting to the level where they compete because it just requires quite a bit of um just commitment and you know for some people the 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 risks and the you know aren't worth the reward because it's just it's one of those sports where you just you're getting punched in the face you've got to really want to do it
3: yeah and so for I guess the other 95 pop percent of the population that are with you we could consider them gen pop do you see kind of a common theme of why people are joining you are people looking to learn the skill of boxing are they looking to you know lose weight like what would you say is kind of some of the common reasons people decided to join fighters republic
4: um well it it would appear to me that the majority of people are in are in are in it to learn the skills of boxing when because like we have I'm not the only coach, we, but whenever I'm running a class, even for the uh, adults where you get, you know, much more weight loss um, clients in a gym, they're all really interested in 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 the subject that we're doing so we we might be talking about something like like last night we did a session on something called half steps where you take small steps forward small steps backward sounds really boring but it's really important for establishing distance and, and changing the range when you're when you're up close to someone throwing, throwing punches and then so like i said there's only five percent of that group or maybe less last night that's actually competitive boxers so there's only a very small percentage that that's actually any practical use to but they still show a lot of interest everyone follows it and i think the majority of people i think it may increase their confidence to defend themselves um you know boxing isn't really uh typically marketed as a self-defense tool in right. the same way jiu-jitsu is or um you know some traditional martial arts but it really is um, a good tool to have you know there's a lot of stuff in boxing about maintaining distance staying away from people moving to the side and you know it is good for self-defense and um i think a lot of people appreciate that they come and they get like the side effect is that they're getting healthier losing weight and they can see the difference you know
3: yeah so you know talk to us about the space that you're in right now because you said that you're renting space in another fitness yeah. Facility, right
4: yeah so this is a huge um uh, athletics facility So they've got like a 400 meter track. It's all, um, there's an indoor, big, massive indoor athletics bit. And we're kind of, we've got part of that. Um, And we've got all of our punch bags and boxing ring and um, kind of other equipment in that area. Um, So obviously the downside is you have to, you know, you have to work and cooperate with other people, which is okay. Um, but the upside is that we've got a huge running track outside, which is really good for boxing conditioning. We've got like a fully, fully functional um, gym with, you know, all the kind of equipment that you need upstairs as well that we can use. Um, so it's kind of, yeah, there's more pluses.
3: It works out. You can out. utilize, yeah, utilize, utilize the-, You've the-, got a cat-
4: the audience. You've got a lot of people walking through here that can see our gym. So we, we kind of pick up lots of members because of it, because of being here.
3: Yeah, definitely. You know, that it works out in your favor to, to be in that facility. And so how many square feet do you guys have in the, the boxing, you know, area?
4: Well, our um, kind of, we have like a flexible arrangement. It's an indoor athletic center, so it's, it's massive. It's probably like, the actual area inside is probably something like, I'd say... It may be like 20,000 square feet, like it's a huge area. Mm-hmm. Our, our part of that that we actually lease is probably fifteen hundred square feet, but we often use way more of it, and obviously we and we use the outdoor running track as well. So it's kind of flexible.
3: It's okay. Not,
4: it's not used that. Yeah. Maybe really, the bit that we.
3: So right now, as things stand, how many clients do you guys have? How many members do you have at the at the facility? I guess in the in the Fighters Republic side of things
4: yeah we've got 168 members um and that doesn't include pt clients that the coaches have um, yeah we've got 168 members from ages four up to adult yeah
3: and so with 168 members is that a place where you guys are feeling really good you're feeling comfortable or are you looking to grow and take on more members help more people grow the community of fighters Republic? <laughs>
4: Yeah, well, we've been growing. It's been steadily increasing since. Obviously, there was an an initial spike when we first opened, and when we first opened uh, in um, uh, November 2020, there were still a lot of lockdown restrictions, and there was a month-long UK lockdown one week after we opened. Mm. Then we opened again, and then there was a lockdown again. This that, and that but we had 60 members straight away, like literally from like a couple of weeks from opening, we had 60. So it's growing from 60 to 168, 168. So, and it's steadily growing every week. The idea is eventually that when it grows too big for this facility, if we can't rent more space here, we'll open up another, we'll open up another location. Mm
3: -hmm. So, you know, talk to me about that growth process. Where are you guys finding your clients from? Um,
4: I mean, a lot of it's, uh, quite a lot of it's word of mouth. Boxing's quite a small, it's quite a small world where everyone kind of knows each other. Okay. Um, so, so I was quite well established before as a as a as a fighter, and and then so I kind of like when I left the other gym. It's like the other gym still running, but pretty much all of the people that I was training came with me from the other gym. That was like the initial sixty kind of members or, or thereabouts. We, I mean, I I I post on Instagram. Um, that's slowly growing, but it's not, I wouldn't say that's, um, that's the main, we've got the website, so we get some leads come through the website and it gets more and more as time goes by, we're getting more, more bites from, from, from different things. Don't really get much through Facebook, Instagram and the website and probably, yeah, Google.
3: Yeah. So in today's day and age, obviously, you know, digital Facebook, Instagram, Google, they're, they're great for our business because, People are spending so much time online. So if we can reach them in the places where they're spending time and use it to our advantage, it works out really well. You mentioned, you know, that you know, you feel like you've grown a lot through word of mouth. And no matter if we're in boxing or we're in CrossFit or we have a big box gym, like word of mouth is always gonna be something that we rely on because it's free. We don't have to do anything except for provide a good service. Um, but it's not really measurable. We can't like, or not measurable. It's not really predictable. We can't like predict like that. We're going to grow this year by 50 clients through word of mouth, because we can't predict the word of the way, how quickly people's are going to talk about us, um, Mm -hmm. would like to, but we can't. And so people supplement that with Facebook, with Instagram, with Google. So talk to me about that. Has that been, you mentioned that like it hasn't been huge for you, but have you brought in new clients at all through your social media?
4: Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I just mean that if I deleted the Instagram accounts and the Facebook accounts tomorrow, it wouldn't mean that we completely shut down. Right. We barely get anyone. We'd still get, I think 75%, maybe 80% of the, um, new clients we get now. Um, yeah but yeah it does help and and it's something that's growing so i'm sure once it's grown to you know a much higher level and we've got you know one or two extra locations then it's going to be really important
3: Mm -hmm. so why do you feel like right now it hasn't been a really really valuable tool for you
4: oh well it has been valuable because even if it's bought in one member it's free um and it does bring in a lot of people but I think ultimately the person who finds us through Instagram has usually communicated with someone else. And they've said, oh, I go to Fires Republic. They're on Instagram. You can message them through there. It's normally that kind of thing. It's normally word of mouth. It's a relatively... Because we're not selling our product. Well, as you know, we're not selling our product to people that live 100 miles away. So there aren't uh, how many boxing gyms... are? It's like how many CrossFit gyms are there? If you live in your area, you know, how many... So you've got a couple of choices and Mm -hmm. which one's best. You're going to listen to what people say. And and yeah, with boxing gyms, a lot of the kids and a lot of the adults have tried a few gyms and then they might tell their friends, you know, they like our one. So people come.
3: Yeah. And so basically your Instagram right now is just, you know, continuing to spread a digital version of word of mouth. So right now you're producing word of mouth, but digitally, um and so it backs
4: things up It just yeah. backs up. So people will say yeah go to that gym it's pretty good and then they'll go oh yeah and they'll 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 follow the, the page and they'll see the videos and it just kind of reinforces it yeah
3: helps them kind of build that trust yeah uh, you know what i've seen you know i like i told you earlier i talked to a lot of gyms and You know, I've seen a lot of people using Facebook or Instagram to run some sort of ad to reach people in their community who might not know somebody who's already going to your gym or somebody, sometimes the people that need us the most are the people that don't even know that we exist. Maybe there's somebody out there who's fighting aggression issues and could really, you know, utilize this to Burn off a little bit of energy, but they don't know that you're there. Have you guys ever tapped into that piece—the digital advertising on Google, Facebook, Instagram?
4: Yeah, um, I think um, not recently, not for a while. I just, um, I just, I just didn't feel like it was really. Um, Doing too much and we're kind of growing at a steady pace anyway because obviously we need um so at the moment we've got six coaches and if we grew too fast then I'm gonna have like so so with the coaches that I've got um they're all really good obviously that's that's what you want if I've I'd, I'd, I'd never wanted to really rush things and build it up to some crazy number and not have the staff to cover it because I don't, in what I'm doing, it's not, there aren't many people that can do it. It's not like a, so yeah, there's not that many people that want to be boxing coaches or that have the experience necessary to come in and, and, and do it. And it's the same with other martial arts as well. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so, you know, right now you have seven coaches, you have 168 members and some of them are training personal training outside of that yeah but are your trainers like are they completely all seven of them completely busy every single day
4: no no a lot of the people do so a lot of the guys that come down do other jobs you know outside of this it's not their full-time job at all there's two of us that are full-time here all the time and that's partially because we do so much personal training and stuff as well the actual classes here we do. So today there was a seven o'clock conditioning class, twelve o'clock conditioning class, and there's going to be a, a one class later. Then on then Monday, Wednesday, Friday, that's when we have loads of classes going on. And well, and there was a school that came in and did classes. We do classes with people that come in from outside as well. But that's me and one other coach that run the majority of that. And then for the group classes, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, where it's mainly kids.
3: Okay.
4: Really- classes um yeah that's when we need the additional coaching staff
3: okay so right now since there's only two of you that are full-time the other coaches are having to work other jobs do you think that your other coaches have interest in like if if the opportunity was there making this more of a full-time gig
4: no most most people don't want to do it yeah it's really um most people, professional boxing is really strange. So, so most people that finish, and so if they get to a really, really, really high level and they earn loads of money when they finish, they're kind of semi-retired and they just, you know, buy buy a couple of houses and stuff like that. Those people that get to the point where I got to, where you don't, you, you didn't earn enough money, really to to make a living from it. Most of them just go into whatever job they were doing before boxing, or they do something else. Very few people. Uh, try and monetize their their knowledge and make, it's strange, yeah, boxing's a weird weird, a weird business in that respect. But then I suppose a lot of sports are, a lot of athletes don't then go and actually make money from coaching or, or yeah, make a living from setting up a facility, doing what they're doing. Some do, but to people that don't want to do it, it's a bit, it's a, it's a very unreliable, they see it as a, as a risk, you know, it's not a secure job, I suppose.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that the reason why people see it as like not a secure job is because a lot of gyms and, you know, fitness facilities that are not stable, um, you know, memberships are going up and down, things are changing. And so like for a trainer, that's kind of an uncomfortable thing to walk into um they want to know that hey this gym has been around for a while they're constantly growing there's opportunity for me to grow at and so I can understand why somebody might not want to walk into that you know full-time or something like that so you know you're kind of in a place right now where it sounds like you really don't want to grow too much because you don't have the staff for it is that
4: right you just want to grow in the proper way so like it you know in order for it to be to continue growing and not collapse at some point um, all the foundations need to be in place. and at the moment everything's good. The next over the next year, we want to really work on building like a really good competition squad. people that are going to go out and, and um, go out and win, win competitions and things like that, build the reputation of the gym. That will attract more coaches, more boxers, and then they're a great advertisement for the gym as well. People of a really high standard, really kind of um, that's brilliant advertisement um so that's what i want to concentrate on for now Um, and i think things are going to organically grow anyway from the fitness clientele that's just gonna that's been growing since we opened Mm -hmm. and after that initial spike you'd expect when lockdown all kind of finished and that stuff it say it went up to like a hundred members maybe when the government over here declared that right there's no more restrictions since then it's just creeping up slowly it's never really gone down it's just it's just creeping up um so everything's everything's going well. Um, yeah, and we do have enough staff to handle what we've what we've got and, and and more, you know. Sometimes we've got um we might have a class where it's not even very busy. There might be 15, 20 kids and there might be four or five coaches there, you know, and it's that's that's good.
3: So you said, you know, right now your focus is really on building like this great competitive program. And yeah. so I want to ask you, like, obviously at the end of the day, this is your business. This is your job. You don't, you don't have another job, right? This is your full-time gig. So how, you know, by starting the competitive program, how does that benefit you and your business financially?
4: Well, in terms of like objectively, really good boxers don't make any money
3: Mm -hmm. for the,
4: for the trainer. They, they, they cost you money objectively because they're, they're, they're a pain, they're, they need constant attention. They're, um, you'll spend way more time with them than you right. would anyone else. So you'd have to do things like if there was a boxer, you know, whether it was professional or amateur, you'd be driving around and doing you know, stuff But you're not getting paid for, but they're loss leaders. So they bring in, when people come into the gym and they see these people of a really high standard, that can also share knowledge with new people and help them to come along. So the the boxers themselves, the really good boxers themselves, the competition squad—they don't really earn money for the gym, like themselves. But they bring in other people because people see the gym and the the, the reputation of the gym builds. So a lot of people that aren't interested in competing themselves, they still want to come to a gym, maybe to learn to defend themselves. Where there's guys that are you know top level uh, fighters there, so that they're surrounded by you know uh, knowledge and you know, a very high standard. So it definitely does bring people in.
3: Yeah, I mean, I would agree with you that it's important to have like high level people in our facility, no matter what we're doing, because that shows, you know, our expertise as coaches and shows like our clients that, hey, we can help you get to that level. But, you know, earlier in the the podcast, you said that, you know, or or maybe it was before the podcast, you said you you have a family at home that you have to support right and so by focusing on just the competitive thing and not focusing on growing the business how are you benefiting your family
4: oh I'm definitely... not only
3: asking this because I have a family here yeah. too so yeah. I can relate to you right I have a four-year-old son I'm a single mom yeah. so I, I understand
4: Now that makes sense um but I've always um thought that if 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 I do stuff that I, that I know a lot about and um Good at and I enjoy doing. Money will come, and it has worked out that way. Yeah. um Yeah, so so even I'm not, I'm that's not my focus. The right, okay, we need to get like a women's fitness class. We need to get a, we need to get a CrossFit guy in to do this, and to, to, to that's that's not my, that's not what I'm focused on. But I know that's gonna the the business and the commercial side of it growing is gonna be a side effect of getting is building a competition team. So it's all linked together. I'm not taking my um, attention away from earning money by doing this, it's actually making more money. Because it's a boxing gym, it's not, it's not a, a, a standard fitness facility. So um, it's the, the, the profits that a boxing gym makes is, is pretty much based on the general public coming to the gym, not because it's better than their gym that they go to for the fitness stuff, but because it's got a really high standard of, um, like any martial arts gym, if you had a jiu-jitsu club and there's no black belts on the mat, it's not going to be as good as if you're in there and you've got 10 competition black belts and all these new white belts are going to come in and think, oh, like I could be like them one day. Especially kids, especially getting young kids in, teenagers and things like that. They're going to see these guys that are competing at a really high level and then they're going to, you know, so you will, you you get more members, you know, it it, it is, I am focusing on the um, financial side of it, and it is working, it is bringing more money in, and obviously our PT clients as well, we get loads of, you know, we get loads of that, because they'll come to the gym, they'll see the standard of some of the people that are there, and they want to work towards that, and Mm -hmm. so, yeah, we're inundated with pt clients and i've been able to like raise my prices again and again and again even through lockdown i didn't lower any price at all even on doing zoom classes i've still kept raising the prices and it's just it is going from strength to strength
3: that's awesome um it's great that you've been able to like adapt and evolve to the, to benefit your business um, rather than like adapting to the economic needs if that makes sense yeah. um so you know since um, you're really looking at you know, your focus is going to be on the competitive side, but not losing focus of your general population, um, what other goals do you have for your business? What are some of the things that you feel like are super important for you to focus on now to get to, to, to reach some of those goals down the road?
4: Um. um well, like I said, firstly, building the competition side of things. Over the next year, I just want to solidify that and get um, people regularly out competing. Um, I think I have been trying to establish meetings with local authorities and schools um, to try and do outreach programmes to them. That brings more people in. Um, we're working with a couple of youth organisations, Um and a couple of uh, special schools, uh, therapeutic schools, and um, schools for children with behavioural uh, difficulties and uh, ADHD and uh, you know autism and things like that. So we're that's going to bring in more people. Once we hit, I don't have a fixed idea of the number of clients that is going to happen at, but when it feels like the right time, I think within about maybe a year, 18 months, I'll be looking for another facility to grow things. Um, Because we could just expand and maybe try and rent more space here. But I think it would be better to have another place, um, you know, five miles down the road.
3: Right, to kind of expand upon what you already have.
4: To expand it, yeah. Because I think the way that we train uh, in the uh, boxing side of things is different to any gym that I've ever been to. Um, we, we have a different uh, different way of training um, and it creates a really good uh, positive environment that you don't see in other boxing gyms. The majority of boxing gyms, you'd be quite right to feel intimidated because when you walk in there, it is intimidating. But our gym's not like that at all. And it's the only real the gym... And, and, and that's not to say that people aren't nice in the boxing gyms. It just normally has an intimidating, uh, elitist um, environment. But we... That's definitely not the case with us. You've got people that are just completely new to it, and people that have been boxing for ten years, you know, or, or longer, and they're working together, and it's all everyone's on the same level. There's no egos at all.
3: Yeah, um, I think you know the idea of you continuing to grow this kind of brand that you've built, continue, you know, maybe move into a new facility. It's all really, really exciting things. If you were to find the perfect property today, would it make sense for you to, to make that expansion now? Or are there any things that you like really need to make happen before that's a reality for you?
4: It it would depend on, obviously it would depend on budget. Mm -hmm. We're still growing. Um, if that wasn't an issue uh, like if i had some uh, you know if i sought some investment and and you know um then uh, yeah i would start i would i would start that um straight away yeah i'd start that today yeah
3: awesome so you definitely have your eyes set on the idea of multiple you know, locations here in the future. I'm excited to see it happen for you. I think you definitely have a passion for what you do with the boxing. Um, And I think that boxing is a great way to get people active. Um, Not everybody's successful walking into a big box gym and doing their own thing. Some people need something like this. So um, props to you for, for building something off of that even despite the past couple of years been completely completely crazy, but you grew your business in the past couple of years. So um, that's been amazing. Thank you so much, um, Ian, for your insight and for being here today. Uh, Listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget, if you want to stay notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. And if you want to join us for an episode here at the Gym Lords podcast, fill out the link in the description and we will be in touch with you soon. As always, until next time, Gym Lords out.
0: Now stick around for the rest of this episode.
3: Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders.
5: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host, Austin Montero, and today we're joined by Adrian Geyer from XIP Training Systems in Lindenville, Vermont. Adrian, how are we doing, man? We're doing good, man. Thanks for having me. You got it. Appreciate it coming on on this uh, Friday, spending some time with us talking shop, as I call it. So let's dive in, man. So you've been in the, you've owned this business 13 years now, which is awesome. So congrats on that. No small feat, especially the past couple of years. Right. So yeah. XIP training system opened uh, end of 2009, early 2010. Right. Back then, man, when you first decided to go down this road of entrepreneurship in the fitness space, like what was did you have a business goal? And if so, kind of what was that back then?
6: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, the the goal back then, as it is now, is is to make an impact in somebody's life and to you know to um, help people just find, um, as our motto or slogan goes, better performance for life. Uh, at the time, I was working uh, in a in a pretty big facility uh, in New Hampshire, where I worked with some really amazing people. I was very fortunate there, uh, but I wanted to make a difference in my hometown and open a, a private performance facility here. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the goal then was to, like I said, to help people and, and it still is now. Uh, and we started in a very, you know, very small facility. Uh, I was given the opportunity to renovate a it's just under 800 square feet. Right. Um, yeah, in yeah, eight foot ceilings, we had to go in and, and raise the ceilings up and there's a lot of construction work. You know, that went into everything, but opened up and it started pretty much, you know, the model was very, very much one-on-one, uh, what you would call it, a, a private training studio, uh, right. in a sense, there was some small group where I worked with athletes, uh, having a strong athletic background and reputation is helpful there. Uh, and then it just kind of grew from there about six months in, uh, we needed to hire another individual. And, uh, so I hired on a trainer, um, we just continued to grow. And I, and I think that what was most important is that we were providing a, you know, a a valuable uh, product. Um, nobody was, um, you know, we were were very honest with our approach. Uh, it was very results driven as, as I think always needs to be in the back or the, the forefront for everybody that people are paying us money for results uh, right. and then you have to have the ability to connect. Uh, so we were doing all of those things where, you know, uh, people were, were, we were connecting with and, and having uh, strong relationships with these people and, and developing uh, programs and 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 systems that provided results. Uh, and from there it grew. That's
5: awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you said we, we have to get results at the end of the day. Right. And it kind of serve our community. A big part of this industry, and to be successful, right? So, like, and I love you started small, eight hundred square feet, kind of grew with revenue, so kind of led with revenue to this space you're in now. So, just for the listeners, Adrian, what is you just mentioned you did PT in a small group for athletes? What are the services? What are the services you guys are offering right now at XIP?
6: Yeah, sure. So we have um, we we kind of moved. I wouldn't say we we've eliminated because we do have one on one training opportunities and that's mostly in our more clinical uh situations um yes. uh, hip replacement uh acl tear um back surgery knee replace i mean everything uh yeah. we work very closely with local uh, orthopedics as well as pts and physicians uh some of which train with us which is about as good as it gets for referrals yeah. <laughs> yeah. um yeah. so we, there is situations where one-on-one still happens, but for the most part, uh, we're, we do more of a semi-private um, training model for those interested in individualized training, uh, and, and for folks that don't know what that looks like, just envision four to five um, individuals in a particular hour time slot, we have two uh, strength coaches, trainers who are floating or overseeing and coaching these right. particular sessions. Each individual has their own individualized program based on uh, their evaluation and screen. Yeah. Uh, and then there's overlap too. So when the seven to eight a.m. slot, you know, when they f- are getting towards the end of their session, you got the eight yeah. to nine is is already in there starting their warmups they're you know shooting the breeze and and it's it's this community sort of atmosphere that is so powerful because it, i mean at times i i joke that they don't really care so much to come in and see me they're, they they want to see their people you know they want to yeah. see the rest of that community yeah. so so creating that is so so valuable yeah. in creating a strong um business model you know one that's going to stand through things like a frickin' covid Um, where, you know, if you don't have that type of backbone or foundation in place, uh, again, you know, I, I I come back to this all the time that really nobody, nobody cares like the letters after my name or the degree that I've got or degrees or, or what, you know, course or whatever sort of, it doesn't matter to them. They don't care if you, if you can't get those results and you can't, connect with them and also provide a community and a place where they can come thrive. They don't care. And I think that COVID was a, although it sucked, (laughs) it was awful for any gym industry uh, person, uh, except for the online side of it, which we can talk about, but um, that should have been like this moment of reckoning for people to really ask themselves, like, do these people actually need me? You know, and did they come back after COVID, you know, because, or, and where, where am I weak? Like in, in these, in these types of variables. Um, So that, I mean, I think if, if you didn't use COVID as that type of learning experience, I think you really missed the boat and and it's not too late. Uh, Go back and and reconcile and take a look at, you know, where you really need to double down from a coaching perspective. And then also from your business perspective right um right so yeah i don't know yeah long-winded answer
5: there but no yeah i think that the uh pandemic was a good test of how strong the business was you know from that community sense and from how much we care it is owners and coaches and trainers and all that good stuff and you mentioned the online piece which is a good way to pivot during that time so we'll bring it up there in a few minutes adrian but yeah man all good stuff and like you said that model we need a viable model to have a successful business which is key which you guys have
6: yeah well your question before was what and i kind of skipped away was what we offer so apart from the semi-private if you picture like our adult population yeah um that that's a lot of our our adult population is semi-private or it's small group and boot camp style uh, training and the only thing that really changes there is is that with a small group or with boot camp you've got uh, one program for that group so like-minded people we we try to you know in a small group setting if they're not coming in as a group already we're you know if we're plugging people together we're trying to match them up in a way that they're gonna thrive together on one program um and then you know boot camp training is the same thing but we make a lot of i think one thing that separates us is that we're always you know it doesn't matter where you're at uh we can there's always the opportunity for variations and we're not forcing the individual into a program. Right. Uh, that's not, that's not good training. You know, it's not healthy. It's not sustainable. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, we're always, it's very liquid in that sense, but then our, we also have a very large population of, of we call it the competitive population uh, of athletes. Um, we, we call everybody athletes, but these are, would be more like your middle school high school college and professional athletes that we work with uh, and they're either in a performance camp setting which would be very much like a semi-private model uh, individualized programs or they're in a uh, like the middle school their kids camps that's you know very exploratory and kids are coming in and you know going through um, um very foundational athletic development programs
4: okay.
6: um, and then, uh, then we have our online as well for athletes that aren't right here with us, um, and that sometimes is also supplementing athletes that are in house as well. Yes, yeah. So, yeah. as well as working with schools. Next week, I have a we have a camp starting with a, a local middle school system, uh, and that'll be on field training uh, for you know all, all of their athletes. Yeah. Um, so we integrate into school systems as well. That's awesome. Man. It's a lot going on. And, like, yeah. Um,
5: yeah, the summer camp stuff is always great for kind of the lower times of year for the adult population, like the seasonality of, of fitness, you know. So, like, uh, but yeah, I love the small group. And then the big group helps you kind of place people, upsell, downsell people based on pricing structure and all these things. So, I think it's great to offer both and the personal training, obviously, on top of that. So, yeah. Adrian, that being said, man, getting people in the door, super important, top priority for what we do here. What is your does like your current marketing strategy and philosophy look like? We'll say just this past year in 2022 so far.
6: Yeah. Well, um, I mean, we primarily, uh, all of our marketing is either social media. Uh, it, it is social media and website and they, the social media will, will ref- basically direct people to the website okay. and vice versa. Um, so we, we really aren't spending um we really aren't spending money on advertising elsewhere okay okay
5: with social media yeah like and it's like the marketing has to be uh full specs right like obviously word of mouth big part of our industry social media like you said referrals all that good stuff i'm sure we have gone out there in the community and done done events and these oh yeah sure and like you said with the school piece which is huge uh, with social media in particular, are you guys doing things organically on there, like reaching out to people via DM? Are you doing any paid advertising? What's kind yeah. of your social media approach look like these
6: days? Both.
5: Um, okay. So
6: I have I have a, um, a marketing budget, you know, in place right. and it's not it's not very high. Um, yeah. I mean, just to give folks an idea, I rarely am spending more than $100 a month uh, yeah. in advertising. It, and I, when I say advertising, I mean like paid ad, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and typically, typically for us, that looks like, um, you know, very professional, uh, photos, uh, that I'll have somebody coming in, taking pictures of us in action on the field at schools, wherever. So we have very diverse um, options for, for, uh, media, but I think the media is important. Um, you know, you don't want to have crappy images Right. The way and, and also the way algorithms work and such. So um, you do want to make sure you're putting you know your, your money probably into that side of it if yeah. you have um, intentions of being successful with social media right. marketing. Right. Uh, but from there it's you know as we're as we're getting close to you know camp start dates or you know some of our our adult camps, our boot camps and semi privates, that's all the time. So right. there's no real like start end date. It's more like making sure that we're, we're people know we're here and, and that what we're doing and that we serve a diverse range of, of athletes, um, whether that be the adult athlete or, you know, the, the youth, et cetera. So, you know, and then from there, I'm kind of picking and choosing um, when to promote those ads uh, if we need it or if we don't. um and then also just making sure that we're we're you know making sure we're giving people recognition Uh, and that doesn't mean like hey Austin did this you know this week and you know kudos to him that can be tough too because if you've got 60 70 members like we do it's like you know maybe Susie over here is pissed because I didn't say anything about her and she did great last week so it's like oh my god so it's just more general in that sense, you know, yeah. and making sure that we're just giving recognition to what our community is doing. Kind right. of right. come back to that. Yeah, um, I think that's an awesome
5: way to handle that uh, via social media, a piece and uh, highlighting. Yeah, it's always a tough line. Highlighting certain people, other people, other people get mad. But yeah, highlighting what you're doing as a community is terrific. Um, so yeah, cool to hear you using uh, social media because it is a massive tool. Like we're on this thing all freaking day, right? This phone. So great, yeah. great way to reach people, especially like you said, you're in a small town. Right? It's a great way to pretty much reach the whole town and the surrounding towns. What would you say, yeah, you know, I told Adrian, I talk to people all, all over the country, man, big towns, cities, little towns. I've heard every number. What would you get like new leads per month for you, right, like lately, last few months? What is that new lead per month coming through the door or reaching out to you? What does like, that number look like?
6: Yeah, um I, I guess I I don't have good data on exactly what that number would be. Um we're we're small enough in that I have a pretty good sense um each day and I'm also on the floor every day, yep. so I yep. I have a pretty good idea of where things are at. Where we where we see ebb and flow would be in our boot camps, okay? And then in our um our athlete camps because yeah. you know that there's you know, competitive athletes, the high school, college, um, middle school, um, because they're going in season and out of season. Right. Uh, so that will change their schedules and yeah. parents' schedules to get them to us if they're of that age, but our adult semi-private small group, uh, and even one-on-one stays pretty consistent. Right. Um, and we, since COVID, um, semi-private really, uh, we saw a, b- a bump there. Um, but as of the last, you know, here we are in July. So typically yeah. things are a bit slower. We've actually seen a, a boost in our boot camps as of the last month, nice. um, which is great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, COVID really put a damper on the, the, sure. the steady, sure. steady flow we have, but we've been cranking right along, um, building Good, things back up and, and uh, so I don't have a great answer there for you.
5: No, that's right. No. Uh, yeah. Like you said, COVID threw a massive wrench in the system and uh, good to hear. Definitely building back, which is awesome. And would you say like, obviously with the sports performance piece, there's seasonality, kids go back in school, out of season, in season, all sorts of stuff. Are you guys, can you handle more people in that bootcamp class right now, especially with
6: things moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we, and we do put a cap. I mean, we have enough yeah. space to, right. um, to handle, you know, we could probably have a boot camp class of up to 20 uh, individuals. Nice. I cap it at 12. Um, oh, okay. Okay. which, you know, I mean, I'm, there's been times when we could have had more and, and we actually had to spread out our days in the week. We currently offer two evening, uh, and two early morning, 6am, yeah. uh, two evening to early morning. We have two midday, uh, boot camp classes, uh, and then, uh, Saturday morning. Nice. And we've kind of pared that down uh over the years just so that we can again create a bit of a more of a community um and really you know double down on what time slots are effective um but we don't go more than 12 um and that's with one one coach coach, uh for the for the 12 yeah sometimes Uh, when it gets bigger than that it's kind of like
5: organized chaos you know it gets it gets out of control so yeah yeah so with that being said adrian so say like Say I just walk in the gym today, like I want to get started for the on the adult side of things. What is that kind of, a, we'll say, sales process or just initial client experience from them coming off the street into the gym to getting either in a small group training or PT or boot camp? What does that process and experience look like for them?
6: Yeah, well, typically, um, you know, you, you come in, we we'd schedule a, a time to to chat a bit um, and just kind of figure out, you know, a bit about Austin. Yeah. Uh, we like to have people go through a movement screen we have I'm fortunate to have a uh, movement specialist um, uh, he was actually <laughs> my advisor in college so wow. Wow. Uh, physical therapist an athletic trainer and and he'll go through a, um, a movement screen with individuals uh, pretty simple Fms screen and then if there's red flags identified in, in their in their movement that potentially need some time with him, uh, then maybe they spend a session or two with him. And if, if their real goal is to get into a group training, we just want to make sure we have, we've identified those red flags before right. Right. they move into a group setting, which is, is less of my eyes right on them, yeah. uh, You know, for that hour session or whatever it may be. Right. Uh, you know, And if you're interested in something like a semi-private or more individualized approach, same process you're still going through that screen and i'm using that information to to create a you know a a safer more effective program uh for you yeah yeah. athletes typically go through more of a performance testing uh which we performance test with with everybody just on a different level potentially or level of intensity uh but we're all held accountable to performance tests um i actually got today, after we get done with this, I've got today's trainer testing day. Oh, so wow. uh, the, the um, one of the staff members will be, he and I will be going through the trainer performance test, which if you don't pass those, you uh, get a bit of probation in terms of uh, pay and, and such. And so let's talk about that. What does that entail? <laughs> well, it's, I created that years ago, but you know, I mean, I'm a firm believer, you got to You got to walk the walk. You can't just talk the talk. And, you know, and like I said earlier, people don't care anyway, what you got for certifications or degrees. Nobody cares. So they they want to one, be able to connect with you Two, They want results. They want a community. Uh, They need to be able to trust you. Uh, And, and ultimately they want a trainer who like can Hey, this is, this is me living that lifestyle. Right. Right. If you can't do that, man, if you can't take care of yourself first, we all know that you can't, it's very hard to give to somebody else and also for them to have a role model uh, to look up to. And for a lot of people, that's, that's what it is. They, and in this, this day and age, you can go online and and find, find a lot. I mean, honestly, somebody could train at home. And if they knew how to weed through the bullshit, Sorry, right. for sharing, but they could find they could find effective training and do it all themselves and pay nothing. Just have to spend yeah. a little time to do it. Yeah. So we have to understand that as trainers that sure. Sure. you are you're you are not God's gift to training. Uh, you are just their servant, really, like you're here to connect with them and to provide them with a pathway to success. Yeah. So if you can't walk the walk, then. You, you don't have a job at xip yeah i like it man it's Plain and simple so, it's so true i've i've thought about that but never
5: in depth but yeah we should be symbols of inspiration and uh something to look up to for people and just uh, set a good example like practice what you preach right absolutely wouldn't, uh, wouldn't go to uh, a dentist with poor teeth kind of same idea right so like yeah that's cool and i like to keep your people accountable to that which which is awesome you know Clients are accountable to us. We should be ac- accountable kind of back to them with setting the example. So yeah. And that's, that's so
6: important for yeah. um, like, that's, that's marketing. Yeah. You know, that's like I said, we don't spend a lot of money sure. uh, marketing per se, but people know what they're getting when they come to XIP and that it's very yeah. different level, not in, in every aspect. Uh, right. And that's not me trying to boast that's me just pointing out that you know we do put the time in. We we work our tails off, and it's not just um, writing programs. Uh, it's also on making ourselves better human beings, yeah. uh, so that I can give to you, you know. Yeah. And, and that's that's
5: so important. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. And he brought up that word service a few times, and that's kind of what we're doing for them. So that's why we're here. To, and it mentioned there during that. Uh, last part, Adrian, your online piece. So I think it's a good transition into that. Talk to us and for the listeners, what does that part of your business look like, you know, as of today?
6: Yeah, so we have, um, we have an online platform that luckily was developed uh, far before COVID happened. Um, and that really was started because I had athletes that were um, in various different places in the yeah. US or the world, and and I needed to be able to work with them yeah, in a yeah. capacity um that was better than just an excel spreadsheet right. uh so we we use train heroic uh yeah. as our platform um and um yeah we have a very extensive uh video library um like four thousand plus videos wow. uh, are they your yeah, video
2: you guys what's make that? It? Do you guys we make, make every,
6: every single video yeah how long does uh, that take it takes a long time i mean i've got yeah. a I've got a notes list on my computer here of 60 new ones that I got to record. But in a lot of those, like our YouTube channel might have 400 that are public. So I keep almost all those videos private, uh, unlisted for our, our clients and athletes. Um, which, um, yeah. So anyway, that platform is one of that's for people that are in-house and traveling elsewhere. Uh, or, you know, I've got, just was on the phone with a new, um, professional snowcross athlete who I've never met and I probably won't meet. Um, You know, he's out in Minnesota and, you know, it's everything in between. We also have standalone programs that people can purchase on the website. Uh, Just prior to uh, COVID happening, I uh, developed another, a sister brand called Ridgeline Athlete. Uh, I, I hunt. Uh, That's my passion. I spend my- Cameron Haynes action, right? Cameron Haynes. Yeah. I see your endure book. Up Got it, there. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, yeah Cam, Cam might be the only one that could keep up with the way that we hunt. Um, so we, we I'm a tracker. So we, we nice. chase fields here in the Northeast and I also hunt elk and about anything I, cool. else I cool. can, but that, that website was, our platform was created for backcountry athletes. That's so we're cool. leveraging our same video library, Uh but yet with a different brand for yeah. this, this niche or market of backcountry um, backcountry athletes. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's somewhere that, you know, trainers, it's like, it's kind of like the market's been flooded online yeah. and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of crap out there now, um, yeah. but you know, trainers who, who have a great backbone in exercise science and understanding of biomechanics, et cetera, like you, you will be found. Uh, people are now trying to sort through the all the the crap, and they they understand what quality service is. And if you you know use referrals and encourage that, I feel that that's a very strong form of advertising. Yeah. Have a good have a good website, right. And uh, and also be be great with your videos, uh, like we're talking about. That's a huge piece to these people. And then just be able to sit down and have conversations with them. Connect, yeah, it's over the phone or Zoom or whatever, but um, that's a market that that um is a very real opportunity for folks these days. Um, I use it as a supplement because our bricks and mortar is my main focus, but I have a lot of fun and I've developed you know in the hunting industry and the backcountry industry, I've developed a lot of new um uh, connections and and uh, that's been fun too because that's my my passion is you know the outdoors. That's awesome. And and it's a really great
5: niche too for the online piece. I'm I'm on your website now as as we're chatting and uh, yeah, man, I think it's awesome. And uh, like you said, with your, with your background, you got, you can provide so much more educational content than somebody that doesn't know that side of the business industry. Right. So like, I think that's huge. And I think eventually, going to kind of win the online space in a in a, in a big way hopefully yeah
6: please. the continuum will swing um, yeah. social yeah. media is a is both a blessing and a curse and right. uh, that you know folks see <laughs> excuse my french but the tits and ass and it's like i want that and it's right. like well that's you know like being able to sort through the weeds right and find quality train. i mean this is you get one body yeah. like you get one body and you can right. screw it up uh, and, yeah. and some guy sitting in his basement and knows nothing about the human body <laughs> writing programs, but he's got right. great media, you know, presence yeah. on social media. Like hard that's thing. a hard, yeah. Like that's, yeah. it's a hard thing to get by sometimes. So, you know, yeah. it's tough, but I use it as a supplement and it's been right. awesome because we also use that as a way of giving back. Uh, okay. I give each year of team program to the local Baseball and softball programs, uh, this on, on field camp that we're doing over the next month, that school system will have access to free Uh, training opportunities that really is directed at parents so that parents can become more educated because if you can, if you can educate your market, uh, I, I always have said, and I totally believe that your biggest competition is an uneducated market. And the, yeah. the more that you educate the market, the more they're going to look for yes. informed, um, and, and, and educated individuals who will help them find the best path to success yeah. uh, rather yeah. than, than just face value, you know, online, what they see, uh, actually have been able to make a good decision. Yeah, man, I agree. Uh,
5: kind of attract the people to Luan by putting out this educational content. And I, I think that's spot on dude. Uh, Two more questions for Adrian before we move on my, my most fun ones. So like right now, so we've been open 13 years, right? Have a lot of programs going on, built out this online program, which looks great, man. What right now at this point in time is like the biggest challenge you face with your business for moving to like that next level?
6: Yeah. Well, it has been the biggest challenge for us for a while um, is, is basically we, we need to, or we want to own and need own a structure. So we currently lease and pay a strong, you know, a hefty lease for, for this area. Um, And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to gripe and moan about that because that this particular space gave me the opportunity to grow, you know? So even if I do feel that, you know, it's high um, and, you know, people might not even understand what high is, but, Uh, for, for this area, it's typically six to $8 a square, uh, on the year. And we, we pay $12. Yeah. So we're double that. Um, and that, you know, sometimes that's a hard thing to stomach. Uh, so current, currently our space is just under 3000 square feet. And when it comes to training to doing multiple things at once, we can't. So if I have semi-private action going on in the morning, I couldn't have a kid's summer camp too. Um, so that, that makes it hard one to bring more revenue to a particular hour or, or hours. It also means that it's very hard for maintaining a staff and paying them because you need that volume to help support more staff. But if you can't bring the volume then you can't support the staff and then you can't grow because you don't have the staff for the, and it's like, yeah, so it's a very, very hard, um, like a cyclone is how I always you know, yeah. think about yeah. it. It's like you're just spinning around and around. Yeah. So getting more space, purchasing and owning real estate uh, will do a lot of things for us. One, um, we want to offset with uh, passive rental income uh, so that if a, something like a COVID happens, I mean, I got a family and right. there, was a, there was a time at the end of Called the end. I don't know if it's ever going to be over, but COVID there, where there was less money in the bank than I owed in my next month's rent. Right. Yeah. And at 12 years in business, that's a really hard thing to take. Yeah. Sure. Uh, successful business. Yeah. So it was like, well, what if this crap? Like, what if I have to close? Right. You know, th- that was going through my head. It's like, and then we didn't. But as I look back now, if I had other income, right? We had online, that wasn't enough. Like, how else can I utilize my, you know, our revenue for this business model to help bring something else that potentially provides safety to you and your family. um, And then also provide you with an asset. So like you and I were talking about before, a gym is basically just a bunch of, freaking steel and uh, depreciated equipment. That's what it is, right? Exactly, depreciated equipment yeah. that is worth nothing in the end because you know nobody wants that anyway. But and goodwill. So if you're gonna think about the saleability of your business yeah. and whether you want to sell it or not, a business owner needs to think that way yeah. because that is how you set yourself up for retirement. For yeah. if something happens to you or your family and you need to sell all this time and energy that you've put into growing this thing, which I should hope that if you're doing it, you're interested in growing it. Right. And then down the road, you have something to sell and and something of real value and having, having owning the footprint, owning the facility, the structure, provides you with a very valuable asset. Commercial real estate is um, always going to be of value. They don't make dirt anymore. Uh, and, and in the situations that we're in with, with, um, there's too many humans in this world and there's not enough places for people to do anything. So having that is a very real value. So to go back to your question, that's a big focus for us right now. Um, I'm not going to go too much into detail, but if, if all keeps going the way it is, we should be into something like that, um, in the next year, uh, and that would make me very happy because one, we could grow. Uh, we'll have a bit more space, not a ton more, right. uh, but we'll have outside space as well. So we can do everything in one location, uh, and the opportunity for rental. Uh, and I think that just like somebody buying a two-unit or a multi-unit home, uh, you pay your mortgage with your rental. That's pretty good. Like you, you're you're building equity um, every month right there. So. I awesome,
5: man. Like, basically, now you're gonna be able to create generational health with the gym, and then generational wealth with owning this this asset. You know, which is like that's absolutely like right. You said already thinking about the retirement piece and and creating this asset, which we all should be hopefully eventually thinking about, because that's you know, 20 years from now, like we we're gonna to want to have that that asset and that money there for us, so we can still live a comfortable life. You yeah, know, which is I think the goal for all of us. So yeah, I mean. Adrian, it kind of leads into my next question, which we probably just answered, but opportunity is it kind of the same answer? Kind of that's the biggest opportunity here next six to 12 months is,
6: is that potential move? Yeah, I, I think so. And also, um, we've got a few. I mean, I'm always, you know, I, I work a lot, uh, early days, late, early, early to re, you know, to get yeah. in, and then we're there late. Any gym, gym or trainer yeah. kind of understands that. Uh, so building building back a staff. Um, and, and also not just like being able to support that staff, um, long-term that's an important goal as, as well. So that, and that does come along with, with the growth side of, of the real estate, but, um, trying to create a place of, with, um, you know, career opportunity, um, in, in this type of rural setting that we're in here in, in Northern Vermont, where we don't pull, there's not a lot of people here and it doesn't necessarily pull professionals of this field right unless they're into skiing hunting fishing riding you know mountain biking yeah. it's very outdoorsy um and we got some amazing athletes here but like you have being able to sustain staff professional staff i mean we don't even hire if you don't have a college degree right. or certain certifications so like it, yeah there's levels of, of stand, you know, professionalism there too.
5: Sure. Yeah, man. It's, uh, yeah, definitely a challenge to find that team. And then, like you said, once you get a team in place so we can scale infinitely this business to where we want, you know, with all your services and products you guys have been going on. So Adrian, man, I think this is a great place to wrap up this episode here, man. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with us, how you started, where you guys are at, where you guys are going, where can the listeners check you out? You know, your website, your social media,
6: all that good stuff. Where can we find it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, they can. I'm always open to, especially you know, this podcast. I think is directed at other, other um, gym owners and, and trainers, uh, professionals. So feel free to email me uh, xiptraining uh, at gmail, uh, and then or uh, we have a couple social media uh, platforms. The, the xip training. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, uh, and then also Ridgeline Athlete. Uh, for those backcountry athletes or um, you know if you're interested in that side of things too um, yeah feel free to reach out I'm always I'm always open to chatting I had plenty of people that helped me and still continue to help me along the way so um, I always like to give back uh, as well beautiful
5: love it Uh, Adrian thanks again man appreciate you coming on today what uh, best of luck with uh, the business man thank you
6: yeah thank you Austin
5: got it and listeners, we appreciate you guys as well. Please hit like and subscribe to be notified for future episodes. And until next time, Gym Lords,
0: we are out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexesbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexesgroup.com.